Assalamu alaikum, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this podcast, if you benefit from this podcast or you benefit from some of the writing that we do on Instagram, on Facebook, if you attend our connection sessions that take place every second Sunday on Zoom, if you have been a member of our Flourish coaching course, you may, 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 being the operative word I appreciate, may want to make a subscription to our Patreon page. Why would I do that, Yusuf? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there are a number of different audio recordings on there. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think it's more than 20. At least it may be even more than that. And there's also a number of different connection sessions uploaded in full on the Patreon page. Every time we have a connection session on Zoom, I put the whole unedited recording up onto Patreon. And there are a number of different articles as well. Some things that I've written um, reflecting on topics, themes related to personal growth, the pursuit of wholeness according to the Islamic tradition. But what if you don't want to make a contribution? Well, that's cool. Don't worry about it. That's all love. Enjoy the podcast. Take it easy. Thank you, Mustafa. Thank you. So this this idea of the salah connecting to balance, the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his prayer was symmetrical, which has this image of order, which I think that uh, Bushra mentioned earlier on, as Mustafa said, the sense of balance, the sense of perfect balance. And let's think about that in the before we even think about the the performance of the salah, the performance of the prayer. Let's think about the times of day that we perform the salah, that it gives our life a sense of balance, because we as human beings are extreme. We are radical in our responses to the universe. We will be sucked in. We will be drawn in like a like a raging storm in the middle of the ocean. We will be drowned by this materialism. We will be drowned by this dunya. This, that which is pronounced for other than him, that which we do for other than the creator will, will subsume us, it will, it will take us under. And therefore, in order to attain some sense of balance, we have to return to the Lord of all the worlds, exalted be he on at least five occasions during the day. That's fundamental. Remember the, the narrative of the, the night of Laylatul Miraj, when Allah Almighty gives or re- presents the salah, the prayer to the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We're all aware that initially Allah Almighty said that we should be praying on 50 occasions during the day. And Sayyidina Musa says to the Holy Prophet wasallam, you know, your community is not going to be able to handle that. But remember at the beginning, Allah Almighty, who knows, says, well, you know, 50 times a day, in order for them to to approach me, they need to come back to me on 50 occasions during the day. And eventually it's whittled down to a more manageable five. But these five, we need this. It's absolutely fundamental to our sense of balance, to our sense of equilibrium, to not being sucked under by the demands of this dunya, of this world, and ensuring that we continue to live in a sacred universe. Do you know what I mean by that? It's a theme that we've spoken about a bit in the past. When we say that we move from a mundane to a sacred universe, when we move from the dunya to the akhirah, that isn't a different physical or geographical location. That's a different spiritual state. It's a different means of perception. It's a different way of understanding the universe around you. 
So you can go to work in a mundane universe or you can go to work in a sacred universe. Now, the sacred universe was far more common in the past. So when we look at, for example, the great architecture, I know that some of you are in Istanbul at the moment. If you look at the great architecture of, you know, the, the last three, four hundred years under the Ottomans or under other great um, Muslim civilizations, or of course, great Christian civilizations, great religious, religiously inspired civilizations, wherever they may be in the world, the, the architecture was for the sake of God. Nowadays, when we look at our architecture, the architecture is for the sake of efficiency and profit, <laughs> not profit, وسلم, profit with an F. And therefore, the houses that we live in are not quite so well built. They might be structurally developed as we have done with our material sciences, but the walls don't feel quite so thick. And I doubt they'll be here in 300 years time, to be perfectly honest with you, because there was a distinct intention to life. We lived in a sacred universe. Our communities lived in a sacred universe. And many of us, inshallah ta'ala, dip in and out of that sacred universe. Sometimes we feel sacred. Sometimes we realize that we are only engaging with the creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, that's a mic drop. Every interaction you have is with God. That's the sacred universe. I do this for Allah. I don't do this for the profit margin. I don't do this for the bottom line. I don't do this to make sure that I, you know, fulfill the expectations of my community or, you know, so that I can show that person who tried to tell me that I wasn't good enough, that I can do this and da, da, da. No, that's not it. That's not our way. Everything is for Allah. Therefore, the way that you do something is the way that you do everything because the way that you respect Allah in one small thing is the way that you respect him in everything else. That's balance. Excuse me. Which means that some of the expectations of the modern world are out of balance. They're out of kilter. They're radical. And I say this once again, the same as uh, the last session. I say this not to to diss the age. Do you know what I mean? Not to say, oh, it's so terrible to be alive. No, it's, it's a blessing to be alive and we are blessed to be here. We are exactly where we must be. We are placed exactly where we have to be. But we also have to be conscious of the fact that, hey, everything's not quite normal. Some things are out of kilter in our behavior and in the way that we've structured our societies. And we have to respond to that. We have to recognize that trying to keep up with the neighbors, trying to get the third car, trying to get this, that and the other, trying to be seen all the time, trying to be recognized is not the way of our path. Um, Amina says, symmetry reminds me of remembering Allah in ritual worship like the Salah and remembering Allah while doing mundane tasks. It reminds me of once hearing that your Salah is impacted by what you do outside of the Salah. Absolutely, your Salah is impacted upon why what you do outside of the Salah and flip that, what you do outside of the Salah is impacted upon what you do inside of the Salah. And what we're attempting to do there, Amina, is when you say the worship... Um, helps you to remember when you are doing mundane tasks yes we're trying to obliterate the mundane dude we're trying to remove the mundane so that there is no nothing mundane anymore even when you know i am washing the dishes this is an act of mindfulness this is an act of god consciousness this is my contribution this is the most appropriate thing and it is done for the sake of allah some people find that difficult to uh, to reconcile and i and i get that
So, and this is this is an important theme on our path, I think, and a, a, an important part of the theme in Islamic spirituality is the distinction between the one who. There are different words in Arabic for knowledge, right? For that which is known, and it's very difficult to to kind of represent that in English because we only have we have. I mean, the only way that I've ever managed to do it is to say that. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. Do you know what I mean? It's an intonation matter. There's 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 knowledge. There's intellectual, cognitive information that we can acquire from a text. So what's being presented here, really, you know, if we show a hadith on the screen, this is that's the statement of the Blessed Messenger Muhammad, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And now probably you could remember that, and you could tell someone else that. You could say that, you know, when you pray, approach it with tranquility. You could you could pass that information on, but is that experientially known? Do we approach the prayer in a state of inner peace and serenity? And so we can understand cognitively, and that's what leads to the testification of faith. La ilaha illallah. I believe that there is nothing worthy of my worship except Allah. I do. I believe that in my mind, in my cognition, is my body is my soul, is my nafs, are the different constituent elements inside of me aligned with that reality? Probably not. Let's be honest. Let's be real. There will be times when we are and there will be times that we're not. The majority of us oscillate between trust and terror, between friendship with Allah and fear of the world around us. Therefore, if we had experiential, ma'rifah, deep knowledge of the reality of being and we understood that la ilaha illallah and we understood that Allah is Rahman, Rahim then our existence would be different. You know, Sheikh Ibrahim uses a distinction between the cartographer and the adventurer. The cartographer is the one who produces the maps. She or he sits in the office drawing lines on a piece of paper and does a bit of Googling and looks at the pictures and does this, that and the other and says, there's the map. But Sheikh Ibrahim uses the example. I think he gave this lesson when he was in Karachi. He said, you know, standing on a map of Karachi doesn't mean that I'm in Karachi. It doesn't mean I'm there. So therefore, the books don't mean that you're there. Knowing the books do not mean that you're there. Reading the books does not mean that you're there. Reading the books is good. You need a map, right? Don't get me wrong. But you have to experience it. You have to taste it. Sheikh Ibrahim says that, oh, is it Sheikh Ibrahim? Or somebody says that you can you can do a PhD on, on honey, on the chemical construct of honey. But if you don't put it up on your tongue, you will never truly experience honey. And that's what we mean by this. The prayer is a systematic, that's what Bushra said earlier on, spiritual practice that is designed to bring us back to reality. Oh Allah, oh, oh Bilal, call us back to reality. Because Bilal is the Mu'addin. Bilal is the one who calls, right? Who calls to the calls to the prayer. Oh Bilal, call us back to truth. It is by means of the Salah. And who mentioned that earlier? Oh, that, that relates to what Zainab said just now, right? The place that we are highest, when we are closest to Allah is during the salah and also during sleep. So maybe that's a decent spiritual practice. Lol. But we come back to him by means of the salah. It punctuates the day. We wake up in the morning. There's an important image there, right? There's an important image. We wake up from sleep in order to turn to Allah. There's symbolism there. We wake from ghafla, we wake from heedlessness. I know that Zainab's going to tell me, oh, hold on, the soul's going, I understand, I do understand, I respect that. But similarly, could you could you not say that sleep sometimes could be representative of heedlessness? When we are heedless and we awaken to Allah, 
we stand before the Lord of all the worlds. That's the first thing that we do in our day, because traditionally days began at Fajr, right? So nowadays we have these we have this discussion a lot. I can't wake up for Fajr. That's because, you know, people in the past, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, in traditional communities, didn't wake up for Fajr. <laughs> they woke up and they prayed Fajr. Do you understand? You see the difference? So if the, if the day begins at 5.30, if the day begins at 5, and the day would finish after Isha, and that's been impacted upon by electricity, right? So now we can stay up late and it doesn't really make much difference because we can still see instead of bumping into the walls like we would have done in the past. We wake up to pray in the midst of the day when we're doing our business, when we're in the marketplace, when we're in the school, when we're in the business, when we're in the hospital, wherever we are. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater than all that you are engaged in. Come back. So we pull ourselves away. As the day begins to end, the late afternoon, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. When the sun is setting, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And before we sleep, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Constantly pulling us back to reality, returning us to truth. And I suppose then, if I go back to what... Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. To what Isma said. What if someone doesn't offer salah but does remember Allah and thank him? Well, I suppose that relates to this, doesn't it? Which is that my belief and the traditional Islamic interpretation of this matter is that Allah Almighty has made the salah an obligation upon us. Then, I mean, there's a theological discussion and if there's different, you know, different belief systems which which don't believe that, then that's a different matter. And I respect that. That's a, that's a different matter altogether. But according to my understanding, and I can only share according to my own insights and my own comprehension of the world. If Allah Almighty has said. The famous Hadith Qudsi, which says. My servant draws closer to me by nothing more than that which I have made obligatory upon him. Allah Almighty has said, pray. And Allah knows you better than you could ever conceptualize knowing yourself. Allah knows the human being, not because he has spent a lot of time observing them. No, because he is the creator of them. And therefore he says, approach me in this manner. And I say, well, you know what? I appreciate what you're saying, but um, I've got another way of approaching you. Is that to say that there's absolutely no benefit in approaching Allah in the manner that you think works for you? I'm sure that not for you, Alhamdulillah, sorry, Asma, for, for anyone, for a person. Can I approach them in the way that I approach, approach Allah in the way that I want to? Well, is that going to be better than the manner in which he has instructed us to approach him? He is the Lord of all the worlds. He is the creator. He has instructed us to approach him on five occasions during the day. Now, that's the bare bones logic of the matter. And there's a lot of emotional attachment because sometimes in our communities, people are shouted at to pray. People are argued with to pray. People are compelled and forced to pray in a manner that is without adab, without respect, without beauty. And we must recognize that inevitably that has an impact upon the soul and the, the practice of those who are forced into that kind of situation. 
So uh, many times I've had people approach me and say, you know, I've got such negative associations with the Salah because, you know, someone in my house or someone in the in the community would walk around and shout at us and say X, Y, Z. And that's deeply sad. Deeply, deeply sad. And therefore, sometimes people say, well, you know what, I'd rather approach Allah in another way because of the, the negativity which is associated with it. And whilst that is deep, that is completely understandable. It's something that we have to work on because it's so difficult when you've been through that kind of experience that we have been pushed away from our religion. And Allah Almighty has great displeasure with those who brutalize or make make ugly that which he has sent to us in the most beautiful of forms. And that can be a difficult experience for people to return to that. And that's why we need to work together as a community to support people in that kind of situation. May Allah Almighty make it easy for us all. Prayer is not just something you have to get done. And that's often how it was presented to us, I believe. Tell me if I'm wrong. Something that if you don't do, you're going to hell. And that's not the way we want to perceive it. We want to perceive it as the ultimate gift to ourselves. It's for us. Ultimately, it's not for Allah. What does Allah need from you and I, the creator of the world, the Lord of the universe? He who has all, he who is all. What does he need from you and I? It's a mercy. We begin Bismillah Rahman Rahim in the spirit of mercy, in the spirit of the merciful. He gives us the salah because we need it, not because he needs it. How are you going to complete Allah? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, we are the ones who need this lifeboat. We mentioned the verse of the Holy Quran. Allah does not change the condition of a people until they change that which is within themselves. And so... There are many different ways, many different approaches to making the universe a better place. The path that we have taken, the path of Islamic spirituality, is a very humble and modest approach to the universe, which means that the realization is that I don't have the ability to change um, your salah or my daughter's salah or anybody's salah. I only have the ability to empower and to engage and to make the connection that we mentioned previously inside of my own prayer. And what that means is that Allah does not change the condition of a people until they change themselves, until they take responsibility for themselves. The observations that you make are, are very accurate, especially trying to go for Jummah and getting your shoes lost and trying to get the prayer done, da, da, da. It's a very hectic and a very you know challenging situation sometimes. I completely respect that. And that's true. What am I able to do about that situation? I think that there are some people in the world whom I have had discussions with who have a very different vision of the Salah to that which I have. Very, very different. And there's a lot of interpretation of religion which I don't necessarily see eye to eye with or agree with entirely, a kind of fear-based discourse where just get it done, otherwise you're going to be in big trouble. I recognize that. And I understand that people see things differently to me. 
And I also recognize that Allah is the creator of all matters and all things. And he knows what he is doing. He knows what he is creating. He knows why the universe is the way that it is in a way that I could never even dream of understanding. The universe is my own life, lol. <laughs> it's too complicated for me to understand in entirety. What do I know? I know that that connection is possible because I've tasted it personally. I have left the salah better than when I entered it. I have seen improvements in my life. I'm not claiming sainthood, billah. I'm not saying anything along those lines, but I'm saying that the practice of the salah improves my life. It makes me a more conscious person. It makes me a more gentle person. It makes me less anxious. It makes me, what I believe, calmer and closer to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does Allah Almighty yearn for the connection of every human being? Allah knows best. I believe Allah does. And I believe that every single human being has access to that connection should she or he wish to access it. But you're right, some people don't have access to that kind of information. Some people don't have the chance to discuss that kind of thing. Some people's lives are so hectic and so busy that they barely get the chance to pray. I respect that. And that's a mystery. And that's Allah's will. And therefore, what do I do about that? What I personally do about that is try to master my salah and try to organize sessions like this where we can discuss this kind of thing. And perhaps by means of the, the points that um, Asma and Bushra and yourself, Isma and Peter and all of the other people here make, perhaps we will uplift ourselves and maybe we can go out into the world spreading the peace, as uh, Bushra said earlier. Perhaps we can have a positive impact upon our environment. We've discussed previously that I, I'm not, I don't believe in utopian visions of, of transforming the entire world. I don't think, I, I know that I don't have the capacity to do that. I know that I can change my own life. I know that the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that each of you is a shepherd and each of you has a flock. So therefore try to take responsibility for that which you can do inside your own circle of influence. And therefore the connection of others, the way that I approach that is, are other people connected in the salah? I don't know. And I host these sessions and ask, does anyone want to come and listen and have a chat with me? And I write some stuff and put it out here and there. And would anyone like to read this? Does this resonate with anyone? Sheikh Nu Hamim Keller says, we set up our lemonade stand and whoever wants lemonade can come. <laughs> Beyond that, we move into a realm of becoming disquieted and becoming uh, diseased, not diseased in the physical sense, but uncomfortable with the way that things are operating in the world around us. And then we lose our own chill. We lose our own peace. We lose our own serenity. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, something that is done from a lack of God consciousness, from a place of ghafla, of heedlessness, is that going to make things better or make it worse? So, we work upon what's going on inside of ourselves and we pray that that benefit spreads to others and i trust and i know that allah almighty has organized the universe as it must be for he knows and i know not so that which i have the ability to impact upon i will i will do my best to impact and that which i don't i leave the outcome with him subhanahu wa ta'ala so my focus with the salah is to enhance that connection myself and I seek his help in that, inshallah.